Are you tired of stressing out about your marketing? Wondering how to boost your online presence, attract more clients, and become a go-to expert in your field? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Marketing Chat Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm a marketing strategist, podcast coach, and the best-selling author of the Podcast Launch Playbook. I'm here to help you get moving with your marketing with way less stress and way more fun. Katerina Barron is a trauma-informed life coach who specializes in boundary setting, empowered communication, and intuition. As someone who lives with chronic illness and neurodiversity, she's had to figure out a way to stay true to herself and her energy levels in life and business. She brings this personal experience to her work by helping guide women and non-binary folk in remembering how to trust their intuition and reset their nervous system so they can show up fully as themselves. Welcome, Katerina. I'm so happy you're here today. I am so excited to be here. Awesome. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Absolutely. So tell us a little about what trauma-informed work is and how you use that in your work. So the way I like to describe trauma-informed work is in mainstream coaching, I think of it more as like big picture work where you have a goal that's in, in future focused and you, you know, focus on the steps of how to get there. Mm. And trauma-informed work for me is more the, the deeper picture is what I call where it's very body-based. It's focusing on like, so that, that approach, like the future-based coaching approach is great. It's great to have goals, but what often happens is when we, um, when we try to push too quickly and are, you know, you hear this all the time, you know, perfectionism shows up or self-sabotage shows up. I actually believe that those are trauma responses Mm -hmm. and we have to address, um, the body when those arise, because we can't really control how our nervous system chooses to respond to our current circumstances. So trauma-informed work goes back deeper into the body and focuses on um, what I believe is really getting in our way, which is our past traumas showing up in our current lives. That's great. That makes a lot of sense that when we're focused on the future, that yeah, things we haven't dealt with in the past would show up unexpectedly. I mean, we never know when something's going to pop up and sabotage us. Yeah, because we um, we often think that we are in control of everything in our lives, but that's actually not the way the nervous system works. Mm. The nervous system is operating on its own on its own timeline. It's operating on its own mechanism, and the way our nervous system operates was actually written um, kind of like a computer programming from the ages zero to seven. So most of the things, most of our beliefs and things that are showing up later on in life are from those primary years. Mm, That's amazing. So when you say trauma, these don't have to be massive things that we think of automatically when we think of trauma, do they? They, it would vary based on the person, based on the person, wouldn't it? Yeah. So there's actually two different types of trauma. So there's PTSD, which is when, what we think of, when we think of trauma, which is a 
which is uh, called shock trauma. So PTSD is like a big event. You can put your finger on it. You're like, oh my gosh, that was so traumatic. I had a big response. And you can almost like remember or name that shock trauma if it happened during the years that you are able to remember. And the other kind of trauma, which is called CPTSD or complex post-traumatic stress syndrome is also known as developmental trauma. So these are during our times where we're developing our brains and developing our nervous systems to be able to cope in a healthy way with, you know, the struggles of life. These are events that get in the way of that. And what often that looks like is situations where we are often forced to choose belonging over our true identities and all those moments and like going against who we are and every moment where we are forced to choose belonging over our true selves, it compounds into um, developmental trauma over time. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, I mean, everyone deals with that, but I think particularly women and, Mm. you know, starting in girlhood or when we hit the teenage years, studies have shown, we get to the point where it's almost raised out of us, isn't it? Being our true selves. And we get to this point where we're sort of expected to conform and we're struggling sometimes for decades, at least in my generation, it it was raised out of us. You know, you have to conform, you have to be a good girl. And it took me decades to really go, no, I, I have to be my true self because it was tormenting to try to be who my parents expected me to be, who my school expected me to be, who my two ex-husbands expected me to be. It was too yeah, much. Yeah. And yeah, we are taught from a very young age that we are, that the expectation is to live life for other people based mm-hmm. on other people's um, expectations. And a lot of that has to do with attachment theory. Mm-hmm. And because going back to that belonging versus our true selves, us as women, we are trained that it is our job to main, at- maintain attachment no matter what, whether it's healthy or not, because we're, you know, we're that, um, that mother energy or we're that, um, you, you know, just that, like, uh, what is the word? <laughs> what is the word I'm looking for? Just that like maternal, that's the word. Mm. So like very maternal caretaking. So it's our job to maintain attachment and maintain attachment to our parents, stay loyal to our parents, maintain attachment to our kids, maintain attachment to our, to our partners, maintain attachment, like always. And in doing that, we have, we, based on those societal expectations, we sacrifice ourselves. And that I 100% agree because of all like the patriarchal ideas of our society. Um, it is more compounded in, in women, that developmental trauma that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm going to jump ahead a tiny bit here, but I think this is then, again, real problem for everyone, and women, but my audience here is made up a lot of women entrepreneurs. And I think it becomes a real problem for us because when you're the face of your business, you have to be your true self. Otherwise, people sense that there's something off. And when you're marketing yourself, when you are working with clients here on my podcast, when you're blogging, when you're doing videos, whatever it is, if you aren't being who you really are, 
people sense it and it can even repel people. So yeah. I 100% agree with that. I deeply believe in energy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when our energy is out of alignment with who we are, when we are sacrificing that people can tell people pick up on that because we are, we are energetic beings. Um, and this is where, um, you know, intuition comes into my work. And because when you walk into a room, like I'm emitting an energetic field, like this is science. This isn't just like woo woo stuff. Like I'm emitting like an energetic field and you're emitting an energetic field. And when they meet, um, you know, they want to, um, align, they want to align. It's just like when you mix hot water and cold water, when you put them together, they're going to continue to mix until they're the same temperature. And that's what energy does scientifically. And we are energetic beings and people feel that even when you're trying to show up online. Yes. Yeah. It it's amazing. I mean, we, yes, you're right. We want to get along with people. We don't want to be at odds. It's, it's such, it becomes an internal struggle when we don't get along with other people. And when we feel that facade that people put on that starts so young, mm-hmm. it hurts and we don't yeah. want to be around it. And for me, it's like so interesting because oftentimes we don't know we're putting on a facade for a long time, right? We are programmed that that's who we are. And I think in the journey of self-discovery, we often have to grieve all of that, like who we thought we were. Because, you know, we're show, we're, we think we're showing up ourselves. We think we're being authentic. And then we find something out new and you're like, wait, I didn't know that that was me. And, and so, and you're confused why people are reacting to you a certain way. And you, you understand what I'm saying? Like it's, yes. it's, and then you have to go through this process of like deconstructing the identity of who, who your parents thought you wanted to be or who the business world says you should be or who, who, you know, your teachers, like you mentioned, like going to school. I remember that pressure so well. Like I, as a neurodiverse person, I was always told I was falling short, (sighs) but really my brain uh, just worked a different way. I found a different way to do things, but it wasn't the same way as everybody else. And so I started to identify like I'm not an organized person. I'm not good at X, Y, Z. I'm not good at, you know, sticking to a timeline. I'm always late. And I started making these as part of my identity. And then I realized that's not who I am. I'm neurodiverse. I have a different way of doing things. And I had to deconstruct that shame identity Mm -hmm. in order to really show up authentically as a happily thriving neurodiverse person that just does things differently. Yeah. You just needed different systems in place. You needed to figure out your own way of doing things that aren't the quote normal way. Mm -hmm. And that's totally fine. You know, because what is normal? Exactly. <laughs> and just because normal? something is labeled normal doesn't mean that it even fits the majority of people out there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And when you start to really embrace your true self and show it to the world, it can disappoint so many people. Like (laughs) when, when I revealed my true self, I remember disappointing my dad and and this was, you know, as an adult, um, and 
he had all of these high expectations for me, put all this pressure on me when I was growing up mm. and I followed, I, I obeyed. I was an obedient little girl and teenager and college. And I performed in school, went to Harvard, did everything I was quote supposed to do. And then started blazing my own trail later as an adult. And he didn't view entrepreneurship as acceptable or successful. And yeah, really disappointed him. Yeah. And it, this is where boundaries are so important. Because mm -hmm. I always say that like, as we, uh, as we start to show up as our, our authentic selves, we have like boundaries have to be part of the part of the process because what boundaries do is it um it lets it repels the people that are aren't willing to go along for the ride that don't really have our best interest at heart and it draws the people in because what boundaries aren't only for protection they're also mm. to let people know where you stand let people know what you want let people know this is okay with me this is not okay with me and maybe in the past i was okay with this before but no more and in doing that and communicating those lines and those limits with people, it, um, yeah, it really tells those people that are not your people to go about their business. And then it really draws in other people for deep, meaningful connection, which is really what we're all searching for. I love that you point that out because I haven't heard it said that way about boundaries, that it helps you draw in the right people. Mm. We normally think of boundaries as pushing things away and people away, not as drawing people in or not, not always pushing away, but holding within the things that we want to keep in. But I haven't thought of it as drawing in anything. Yeah. I do yeah. think of it as, as protective walls. So I love the this. way I describe it is, you know, when you there, there's actually this study where um, there's children playing on a playground and there's no fence on the perimeter and the kids are, they stay really close to the playground. They don't go to the edge. They don't venture out and they stay in this like really limited space. And then they did the other study and they put up a physical fence that these children could see mm -hmm. and the fence helped them feel secure. The mm -hmm. fence being able to see where the limit was, see where the edge was. Then they were going up to the fence, climbing the fence. And it just like, it creates security within those, um, those deeper relationships that you have, because it, it takes the, the mind reading and the guessing out of, out of those, of those secure relationships. That makes sense. That's really great. Love that. So let's talk a little about intuition. How okay. is, and, and let's talk about women entrepreneurs for a minute. How mm -hmm. is intuition helpful for women entrepreneurs? Um, for me, uh, I always say that society overvalues top-down thinking mm -hmm. and undervalues body responses mm -hmm. and the communication from our bodies to our brains is, is, uh, I, I don't, I don't know the exact numbers, but I'm pretty sure it's 80% versus 20%, which is top-down processing. Yeah. So we are, um, there's so much value in that because we're ignoring 80% of the information we're receiving from around us. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Like we, when we only depend on brain processing, which is great. It's how we make sense of the world. It's how we do language. It's how we put words to feelings, right? So we need that too. But when we're ignoring the body feelings and the body signals, there's so much information and value and juice it there that, that we're, that we're leaving, you know, they always say like in business, like don't leave money on the table. Like right. it's like that, like don't leave information and, and just like the real juicy, everything about who you are just like hanging out there and not trusting it. Um, and I always say like bodies, like your intuition is just, an, is just trusting your body sensations mm-hmm. and Um, If you think of it as a way as like, we have body signals like hunger and thirst and feeling tired Mm -hmm. and we go, oh, when, when I'm tired, um, I sleep when I'm hungry, I eat when I'm thirsty, I drink a glass of water. But when we have other body sensations, we go, oh, what's that? That's not okay. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Oh, I shouldn't feel sad. I shouldn't feel right. angry. I shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. Instead of going, I feel sad. Mm-hmm. What do I need right now? Mm-hmm. Those other body sensations are telling us a need. It's the same with intuition. It's the same with emotion, emotions. Mm-hmm. And there's just so much value in figuring out what we need in each given moment um, for moving forward as, as a woman entrepreneur and in staying in alignment with who we are. Yeah. And then even things like business decisions, we may think, okay, well, I've been told, or I've read here, let's put it this way. I've read Mm -hmm. that I should do this with my, my business, but your intuition is telling you, no, that's not right for me. And so Mm -hmm. you're stuck going between head intuition, head intuition. And there are times when, and I'll get into this as my next question. There are times when it's fear or it's Mm -hmm. confusion, Mm -hmm. but there are times when it's your intuition telling you that's not right for me, just because you've read something or everyone else is doing it doesn't mean it's right for your business. And if your intuition, if it's really your intuition telling you this isn't right for my business, then you need to listen to that because there are other ways to do things. Okay. So jumping into the fear piece, um, I think that to intuition is not fear-based. So if you, um, so, you know, they, you always use the dark alley, the dark alley situation for women, which is horrible, but let's just use it for, you know, simplicity's sake. You're walking down a dark alley and you get a bad feeling. That bad feeling, that's your nervous system. Mm. So oftentimes we confuse our nervous system, which is our protection system Mm -hmm. for intuition. Intuition arises when we're grounded and we're not in a trauma response. Great distinction. I love that. Yeah. So when it's fear, fear is, you know, fear can be based because there's an actual threat or a perceived threat. That's how our brains can't tell the difference between an actual threat and a perceived threat. Mm -hmm. So when it's fear-based, this is where the window of tolerance comes in. Your intuition is really strong when you are within your window of tolerance, which is when you're calm, you're flowing, you have emotions, but they're manageable. When you go into fear, it either throws you outside your window of of tolerance to the top, which is where fight and flight is, or it throws you 
down on the outside your window of tolerance on the bottom, which is freeze and fawn. And fawn is the people pleaser response. Okay. Interesting. So when it's fear-based, that's a trauma response or a stress response. I don't believe that that is um, intuition. Intuition comes from a very grounded, um, almost neutral place. Like Mm -hmm. intuition feels calm. Intuition feels clear. And that's a a, a distinction distinction that I've found um, for myself in my, in, you know, just in life, you know, because I used to think like, oh, bad vibes. Like that's my intuition. Um, I, I, I have a hard time saying that that is your intuition. I think that that's your nervous system doing its job. Right. Yes. We know it's not a a bad thing. We need a fear response. Yeah. And also going back to the trauma piece, Mm -hmm. our nervous system was written zero to age seven. Mm -hmm. So you could be having a fear response to a situation now because that you're oftentimes we're scared and we have fear because we've already experienced loss or something bad happening because of the current circumstance. And our nervous system is confused. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, this is that time when I was seven years old and my mom forgot to pick me up at school. But it's inappropriate now. But it's inappropriate now, that response. And that is where trauma work, I I cannot stress the importance of trauma work. It's like making those connections and going, is there an actual threat here? Mm -hmm. Or is this my nervous system doing what it's supposed to do, doing what it's always, always done and always going to do? But is this an old system that Mm -hmm. I need to update? Right. And that our nervous system evolved to do. Yes. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So what do you recommend doing then when we're in those moments when we can't discern, is this fear or is this intuition? Um, yeah, I, I would suggest emotional regulation um, for starters. If you're, if you feel scared or if you're like, I'm not, I'm not going to do this thing because of what people are going to think of me. Like even that is a nervous system response. That's probably within your window of tolerance, but like borderline outside. And that's, you're probably fawning. Mm -hmm. If you're worried about what people are going to think of you, Mm -hmm. like, um, so what I would just, you get, I always suggest getting really quiet and, and often we're scared to get quiet because we're scared to be with ourselves because many of us were left alone with our emotions as children. So getting quiet can feel scary. So incrementally learning to be quiet with yourself. And if an emotion comes up, letting it, letting, actually letting it out without judging it. This is where self-talk, compassionate self-talk can really come into play. Um, just being like, hey, I see you. I see you nervous system. You're responding this way. Maybe I don't know why right now, but it doesn't feel accurate for this situation. I know you're just doing your job, you know, but we don't, I I don't need this big response right now. And I know that you, you know, and, or like even talking, this is where inner child work can come into play. Ooh. Yeah. Um, where you, just thinking about, okay, if I was a, you know, a, the wise maternal woman that I, that I am today, if I want to embody that, how is that person? How is that wise, authentic version of me? Mm-hmm. How would they treat someone coming to them 
and saying, hey, I need you. I'm scared to show up online. Hey, I need you. I'm feeling really scared right now. How would you, how would you support them in that? Mm -hmm. And then doing that for yourself. Yeah. And going like, it's okay to be scared. You know, we so often treat ourselves in ways that we would never treat someone else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a hard habit to break because that's the, you know, I don't, I, hope you don't mind me mentioning the patriarchy here, but oh, the, no, no, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> the patriarchy literally trains women to check themselves, mm-hmm. trains women to shame themselves, to keep us in the system of patriarchy. Yeah. And the best thing we can do to step out of that is to stop shaming ourselves and just be and say, whatever you're feeling, whether it's anger, fear, sadness, rage is okay. Yeah. Cause you can't really control your emotions. You're, right. you don't control how your body decides to react to things. Right. And often we think we have more control than we do. Right. And it's so those what, incremental moments of getting quiet mm-hmm. and acknowledging that whatever is happening is okay. Mm-hmm. That I really think um, can help us move forward. So in those moments, when we notice that we're having whatever feelings were happen, happening, we're having, mm-hmm. sometimes those come up at inopportune moments and we still mm, need yeah. to have those feelings, but we can't have them fully in those moments. Mm-hmm. So we should acknowledge them. And something that I'll do is acknowledge them and sort of tell them, thank you. I'll come back to you. <laughs> I'll come back. That's to you later. exactly what I would suggest. That's exactly okay. what I would suggest. And then make a point to come back to it. Yes. Yes. And, and like journal or, you know, uh, write, write down what happened because often then those, uh, those emotions will revisit. Cause this is where it's useful for the brain, um, to not know the difference between actual real-time threat and perceived mm. threat. So if you're, if you had a moment that you had to be like, Hey, I can't cry in the bathroom right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm, sometimes you I, don't have time to go do that. You don't have time. You have to, you have to take a deep breath, put your, yes. you know, big girl in front of someone. <laughs> it's like, you're having a moment in front of someone and it's like, all I can do is breathe. Yeah. And yeah. move so, on. Yes. And then and later on be like, okay, that moment in the restaurant, when I couldn't have the reaction that I really wanted to have, just yes. write down the facts Okay. Try to stick to the facts. Um, and what that will often do is bring up emotion. And mm-hmm. then when the emotions start to arise, that's when you try to get silent okay. and just feel it and go, oh, I feel heavy in my chest right now, or I feel a lump in my throat, or I just feel like warm in my belly or, you know, my hands are feeling clammy. All of this is okay. And then just kind of talk yourself through it and care for yourself as if you were, you know, caring for that, caring for a child in the way that you weren't cared for. Mm, That's great. And what about more long-term work then? That's something we can do in the moment, but what about really working on processing um, emotions and trauma? Um, You know, the process that I just described has done more for me than um, a lot, a lot of things. Changing my Mm self-talk and changing my relationship with shame Mm -hmm. Um, that shame is a process, not an emotion. 
And shame is a protector of more tender emotions. Mm. Um, That work to me did on a personal uh, personal sense. I have a lot of trauma. (laughs) Um, That has done more for me than uh, talk therapy or you know or anything like that. But I I do just like any body based practice. Mm. um, You know, movement. You know, shaking. There, There there's a uh, a modality that my therapist does called uh, advanced integrative therapy um, that, you know, you like cross there, there's like different exercises where you like, you know, that like tapping, like butterfly tapping or like right. uh, uh, cross body tapping and stuff like that, that can really help rewire your nervous system. So for example, yeah. when you're doing that self-talk, when you're doing the shame self-talk, that's mm-hmm. right in your nervous system, right? Yeah. Yep. Because you've done that your whole life, that you've been mm-hmm. trained to do that your whole life. So rewriting your nervous system, you're doing the compassionate self-talk mm-hmm. and, um, and then taking a moment to be like, this is what safety feels like. Mm-hmm. Hey, nervous system, this is what safety feels like. Safety isn't scary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because oftentimes we confuse familiarity mm-hmm. for safety because of how our right. nervous systems were written because we're used to it and it can mm-hmm. feel scary to move into what we don't know mm-hmm. than to stay where within what we do know even though that's painful. Yeah, 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 unfamiliar equals danger to our nervous yeah. systems. Yeah. So we have to baby steps. Like there's in um in trauma work in the in NARM, which is the neuroaffective relational model, it's a way of working with trauma. They talk about titration and pendulation, which okay. is like incremental, like small little moments of this is what safe actually feels like. Mm. Because the more you because sometimes you're because of the way your nervous system works and unfamiliar is unsafe. Mm-hmm. You, you literally sometimes have to talk to yourself and be like, Hey, I know that that was really big and really scary, but you didn't die. Yeah. And it's actually, we're, we're safe right now. Mm-hmm. And doing that in small incremental moments, because if you do too much too quickly, um, then it throws you outside your window of tolerance mm-hmm. into those fight or flight responses, which you have zero control over. That's great. Um, yeah. And taking, taking breaks is really important here too. Mm-hmm. You can't just like power through, um, trauma recovery. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. That makes sense. And I love that suggestion about the, the butterfly. Um, what did you call it again? Oh, the butterfly tapping. Yeah. Butterfly so it's like cross body yes. tapping while doing compassionate self-talk. Yep. That is um, because it's um, the right brain, left brain yes. connection, but also including the body yeah. piece of all of this. Because yeah. you, if you forget about the body, it's like the brain is only half the work. Right. Or, or even I, w- I would say even a third of the work, like rewiring yeah. your brain is great. Rewiring yeah. your thought patterns is great. But when you neglect the body, you're only going to get so far. Yeah. And what is that book? Um, the body holds the. Oh, the body keeps the score. That's right. The body keeps it. So it, it reminds me of that mm-hmm. uh, about, yeah, trauma being held physically in the body like yeah. that. And yeah, all of our experiences our nervous system remembers Mm -hmm. as data, like, like a computer to react to future situations. Mm -hmm. And 
make like I remember the first time that I really like embodied that uh that knowledge because you know you think something over and over and over again and then all of a sudden it's like a whoosh kind of feeling like oh my gosh my childhood trauma is like literally in my stomach right now (laughs) like you you feel it you're like oh that's where you've been Like it's not in the, it's not necessarily in the memories. We often don't have memories of our traumas Mm -hmm. because our bodies cope by like disconnecting us from memory and from feelings. Mm -hmm. And it's like really surrendering to being like, oh yeah, that's where you are, you know? Yeah. Went into my gut or wherever wherever it lodged. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel it. Just not thinking about it all the time. Thank goodness. Yeah. 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 And we can't think about it all the time. Otherwise we wouldn't function. Right. If I spent all day thinking about my trauma, I'd, you know, ugly cry on the bathroom floor all day. Right. (laughs) Exactly. So before we finish up here, is there anything I didn't ask that you'd like to add? Hmm. I don't know. I feel like we've covered so much and it's so, so juicy. This has been great. This Uh, is really helpful. Yeah, I, uh, I guess since this is a marketing podcast, I, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to, um, just tie some pieces together there. Cause I was thinking about this last night that we often think that our businesses are separate from Mm -hmm. us. Right. Mm -hmm. And we think like that we can operate in business in a different way than we operate in life. And we are in our business, in our body, and we're in life in our body. Yeah. So all of the things that we're doing in our personal lives, doing the work in our personal lives is going to help our business. And I cannot like me investing in trauma work helped my business more than any business coach I ever hired Mm. because it helped me release that shame and release that fear of just showing up and being me. Mm -hmm. And that's an oversimplification. Like it's not that easy, Mm -hmm. but over time you do have those moments of like, you know, you're like, I know I'm getting in my own way. I know I have this, I know I have that in your head. And then it just like, it's that whoosh feeling. And that's where intuition like peaks in that silence of like, oh, that's really what was happening. That wasn't mm-hmm. self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. That was body memory showing up, telling me that this was too much for it. Mm-hmm. That this that was too sense. much. Mm-hmm. And like l- learning to listen to that. And, and I think women often don't honor their body signals to rest enough. Yeah. Especially totally. in our businesses, because we're, you know, we're trying to keep up with what we think business should look like. Yeah. Yeah. Constant hustle. Mm-hmm. And if we have kids, then adding, taking ki- care of kids on that. If we have mm-hmm. a partner, then taking care of them. If we have friends, well, we'll let them go, you know, maybe, but no, we still feel a sense of loyalty. We come last. Yeah, it's really true. And for me, it's, you know, it's so cliche, but we can't, you can't pour from an empty cup. (laughs) Right. And the second I started, like, 
when you're a mother, you can't always put yourself first, but designing time in your day to put yourself first and do the trauma work and do, you know, and go to therapy and have, you know, go to brunch with your friends and like Mm -hmm. doing those things. Those are just as important as writing that email. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's the best gift that I ever gave myself was to finally focus on those moments instead of always backburnering them. Absolutely. Totally agree. So you have your own podcast, UAF. <laughs> yeah, yes, I do. So Standing UAF. For US fuck. <laughs> yes, exactly. Lots of cursing, lots of cursing yes. because so, and it's so funny how that whole concept came about the UAFs because everybody's like, you know, uh, spiritual AF or boss babe AF. And, you know, it's just always like they want to be something else AF right? or embody some persona. And I'm like, how about you just be you AF? Just be the the only you that ever you'd. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And on Apple podcasts, you can't have cussing on the logo or in the title, Mm -hmm. just so people know. So, but every episode of mine is explicit full you warning. You can do that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I, I love my podcast. It's a, it's a safe space for me. It's like, um, you know, I do share practical tips and, and advice around, you know, healing trauma and setting boundaries and um, rewiring your brain and all that practical stuff. But it's also like an online journal of my real time healing. Um, And I originally didn't set out for it to be that, Mm -hmm. but when I started to do that and get the feedback I was getting, um, it's like modeling healing in real time and vulnerability in real time. Um, I think there's not enough of that in the world. So I'm, uh, you know, I panic. Like I literally started crying on my last episode and I was like, should I publish this? And I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to put it out in the world. <laughs> Someone needs to hear this. Um, and, and I, and I put it out there and so many people just were like, thank you. We, we need, I need, I, you're right. I needed to hear that. That's so it's still scary, mm-hmm. but afterwards I go, I know that was scary nervous system, but yeah. we did it anyway. And we didn't die. And here we are and we'll do it again tomorrow. That's great. Awesome. <laughs> So y'all check out UAF. That's Y-O-U-A-F. Uh, it's really great. And uh, tell us how people can find you if they want to learn more or work with you. So I am mostly on Instagram because I'm neurodiverse and I have not quite figured out having a website yet, which we... <laughs> <laughs> So I show, I show up on Instagram. You can shoot me a DM um, or you can also email me at katerinabarron at gmail.com. Awesome. That's great. Thank you so much for being here today. This has been fabulous. I really appreciate everything that you shared and sharing your own story. Yeah. Thank you so much for, you know, allowing me to show up as my full self in this space. That's the only way I want people to show up. Thank you for being here. And thank you all for being here today. I would love it if you would leave a positive rating and review. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone. I'll be back in a few days. So I'll see you next time on the Marketing Chat Podcast.